Well, we are in a message series called I Relate, and we're talking about healthy relationships and um, what it looks like to have healthy relationships. And last week, we talked about what it means to be a friend and, and how to find good friends and have healthy friendships. And today, we're talking about romance. Now, I say romance, not marriage, because all the single people, if I say marriage, they're just going to roll their eyes. And they're going to be like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> like, so I am going to talk about marriage a little bit this morning, but I promise that I will keep the discussion relevant for those of you who are not yet married or those of you who have no plans to be married. Um, now, Laura and I have been married for 15 years now, and uh, we've had a great marriage, and I, I feel like like, I can almost talk with some authority on this issue at this point. It's, it's always been like one of the, I'm like, I know some of you have been doing this a lot longer. You've been married for, for a long time. You have much more wisdom on this area than, than maybe I do. But uh, I will say this. I can't imagine doing life with anyone else. And uh, our marriage has never felt like a burden. It's been a joy to be married to Laura. And we've had a great time together. We've enjoyed our 15 years. And we're looking forward to the future together. And you know what? I want that for you as well. I want you to have a healthy marriage. I want you to have uh, great uh, romantic relationships. Um, now, yesterday I was refereeing a, a soccer game at Crown College, just 20 minutes away here. And uh, it, was, it was a very intense game. Um, and during the the men's game, I was actually one of the assistant referees, that's the, the sideline referees with the flag, and, and I was on the team sideline, so I was right next to the, the coaches and the players from the away team. And can I tell you something, like in a college soccer game, uh, yelling at the referees is just something that happens the entire game long. I mean, I just, I was a sounding board for all of his grievances with everything that was going on that he did not like about that particular game. And I just, I talked to him the entire game. I was incredibly patient. I listened to all his outbursts. I didn't get, I didn't react emotionally myself. And with a couple of minutes to go, his team's ahead by one goal. And the ball's down in the corner of the field on the opposite side of the field, a long ways away from me, and one of his players, you can see him just go flying, and, and the referee who was there did not call a foul, and the coach walks up to me, he goes, I want you to tell me how that is not a foul. I said, I said, coach, I'm not even going to talk to you about something that happened on the other end of the field. I have no idea what happened there. He goes, that's a good response. <laughs> I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> So the game ends, he walks up to me again, he's like, I feel like you should teach a course in conflict management. <laughs> now, if I was on my game, I would have said, well, you need to come to church on Sunday because I'm doing a series on relationships. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't think of that in the moment. I'm regretting that now. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you just laugh. And, and I... We're going to look at a couple of different passages of scripture today, but I'm going to essentially preach from one verse today, and it's in a collection of general instructions given to the church in Jerusalem in the book of Hebrews, and it covers a lot of different other topics like hospitality and prison ministry, and they're all kind of like just 
just general words of advice. Each verse is, a, is an independent statement. So as we're looking at just this one verse today, we're not reading it out of context. We're not just isolating the scripture. It's already isolated. It's by itself. It's a standalone statement. But there's so much truth in this one single verse that, that I feel like we can, we can preach an entire message just from this one verse. And we are going to add a few other scripture references as well to kind of back up what we're saying this morning. But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. All right. Now, two conclusions that I want us to come to from this particular passage of Scripture. Um, number one, marriage is a big deal to God, and so it should be a big deal to us, right? If, if it's important to God, it's important to us. And then the second thing is sexual sin is a big deal to God, and it should be a big deal to us. But let's talk about marriage first. And uh, there are three ways that, that I want to talk about this morning to honor marriage as, as the author of Hebrews instructs us to do. And there are many more of these. This is not an exhaustive list, but uh, this is, um, these are three things that, that came to my mind as I was thinking about what it looks like to honor marriage. Uh, first of all, and, and this is for my single people in the room, marriage should be the end goal of every romance. Now, maybe that's a controversial statement, and I'll say, say this. Don't tell someone that on a first date, okay? <laughs> like, that's, that's not the way you want to start out. Like, we're sitting down for dinner, and you're like, you know what? I believe that marriage should be the end goal of every romance. Okay, buddy, slow down, right? Uh, that's not what I'm saying here. My point in saying this is that you shouldn't date someone that you would never even consider marrying, right? That's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Um, you're only opening up the door for hurt in your life. Uh, now, who would those people be? Who would, be, who would people be that they, you shouldn't even consider da dating? I would say there's two areas that I would say it's not even worth beginning a relationship. The first is that you don't share the same faith. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, I actually have a policy. I've done a fair amount of weddings in my time as a pastor. And um, when, a, when a couple uh, sits down with me and I talk to them, one of the things that I, that I verify is that they're in agreement with their principles of faith. I have no issue marrying two unbelievers to each other. I have no issue marrying two believers to each other. But I will not do a wedding where it's a Christian and somebody who's not a Christian. I don't believe that that's godly or biblical. And, and if you don't share the same faith, you're setting yourself up for failure and disappointment and frustration for your entire marriage. If our faith is the thing that's most important to us, and it should be, then we should be in agreement on those things. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to agree in every single area of doctrine, right? Like, you might have some minor differences, but for the most part, you should be in agreement. You should be in agreement about what church you're going to attend. I don't think that it's healthy for a married couple to attend two different churches um, that, that teach two different things because they believe two different things, right? You should be a part of a church community together, 
You should have that relationship together. You should be in agreement on those big issues. And the second area would be if you don't share the same values. Um, now, you can maybe agree on faith, but be on complete opposite ends of the spectrum on, on values. And I would say that's a relationship that's not worth investing in because your entire relationship is going to be tension. You're going to be fighting about the things that matter most to you. So um, listen, you maybe can even get over some big things in this area, like maybe you vote for different parties or maybe something like that. But in the basic sense, if you don't agree on most values, you're going to have a difficult time with your relationship, right? You're going to have a hard time agreeing as you make important decisions, especially when you bring kids into the mix because you're both going to have your values and one of you is going to want to raise your kids one way and one of you is going to want to raise your kids the other way. It's going to create tension. That's why it's so important to have these conversations and talk about these things before people get married, right? You need to deal with those things. You need to ask those hard questions in advance so that you know the answers and then you can make a determination, okay, I can live with this disagreement or this is too important to me and I can't live with that. Now, here's what I'll say uh, to our, our single people in the room or those who are in a dating relationship. If you're messing around with somebody who isn't marriage worthy, you're just opening the door for hurt in your life and in theirs. Okay, so you're not only affecting your own future, but you're hurting theirs as well. Uh, casual relationships with no purpose provide little to no benefit and just open the door for massive heartache and pain in your life. Uh, I've said this in the past as a youth pastor and teenagers, you might get mad at me, but before you do, just hear what I have to say, okay? Generally speaking, I don't think it's a good idea for teenagers to date. Now, um, that being said, it's not that I don't think that you're ready for a serious relationship or you can't understand what it means um, to be in love. Um, throughout history, teenagers have gotten married, right? In fact, we know that Joseph and Mary were probably teenagers when they got married. So it's not that you're not capable of that kind of a relationship. But in our culture today, we don't live in a world where people get married at 16 and 17 years old. Like that just does not happen in our world today. People get married usually later in their 20s. In fact, the average age of someone's first marriage in the United States is 28. So think about that for a second, right? And, and I will say this, there are exceptions to this rule. And I've seen, uh, you know, teenage relationships that have blossomed and been healthy and, and turned into marriages that have been successful. And I'm not saying it can't happen, but everybody thinks they're except the exception, in reality, most people are in the, the general category here. And if, if you think that your marriage can stay in a, or your dating relationship can stay in a healthy place for 10, 12, 13 years as you're preparing to get married, you know, okay, that's maybe something to consider. But, but let's, let's be wise about how we go about this. I actually have some friends, um, they're now uh, missionaries in India. Um, Dan and Rachel uh, are their names. Uh, they are from Iowa. They grew up together. They went to high school together. They uh, dated throughout high school. Um, they went to college at North Central at the same time, did four years there. 
graduated, and then got married. So their dating relationship was, I think, seven or eight years long. Very long time. Um, they kissed for the first time on their wedding day. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, seven years. Uh, and they put those guidelines in place because they knew that if they, they wanted to have a healthy relationship, that, that they couldn't cross those boundaries too early. It, it would be too hard to, to wait. So they, they made that decision. And you know what? They honored the Lord in their, in their dating relationship. They graduated, they got married, and, and now they're serving the Lord together and have a beautiful family, and God honored that. So if you're willing to, to really think about that and put those guidelines into place, that might be something to think about. But I would suggest you be patient and you wait, um, because frankly, the, the truth is that most, of, most teenage relationships don't end up in marriage, and if you're investing yourself in something that's for maybe 10 years down the road... Um, you need to have some, some boundaries in place as well. All right. So marriage should be the end goal of every romance. Second thing is your spouse, now we're talking to the married people, should be the most important earthly relationship, the one that you invest the most in. Now, we talked this, about this last week with friendship. You have two resources here on this earth that most people value above other resources. That's your time and your money. And those are the things that you should invest in your marriage as well. Um, now, when Laura and I first got married, we had lots of time and no money, <laughs> right? So when we first got married, we would, we would spend a lot of time together. We would go out together and we would have cheap dates. In fact, we lived in Minneapolis at the time. One of our favorite things was to explore all the different ethnic restaurants. You could eat out at a reasonably low rate at that time and uh, uh, have, a, have a meal together and have fun together. Didn't cost a lot of money, but we had time. We didn't have any responsibilities. We could go out late at night. And so, so we would go out all the time. And then we had our first child and we managed to kind of keep doing stuff like that. We just brought the baby along until she got a little bit older and a little bit more challenging, right? And then by the time number two came, when Amelia was born, life got a lot more challenging to spend time together on our own, to have those, those date nights. And, um, you know, weekly dates turned into monthly dates. And um, we're so grateful that, that we live close to family that was able to watch our kids so that we could spend some alone time together. And I know that that for some of you, you don't necessarily have that and don't have those relationships. Um, but we invested in our relationship. We spent time together. And, and even though it wasn't as much as we wanted it to be, and even though we had a lot of other responsibilities and things in life, um, we invested in that relationship. And, and I'll say this, um, babysitters, I know how expensive it is, right? But can I tell you something? That's a worthwhile investment, Right? Like I said, we need to invest two things in our marriage, our time and our money, and sometimes those two things go together, and it hurts a little bit financially, but it's important, and it shows your spouse that you value that time with them enough to even spend a little bit of cash on a babysitter. If you're looking for, for babysitters, we have an amazing youth group and some wonderful kids, and if you pay them enough money, they will show up at your house and make sure that your children survive, right? <laughs> That's all that matters. 
Get them through the evening, right? Invest in that relationship. I know this isn't possible for everyone, but can I make a recommendation? You should take a vacation with just your spouse, even while you still have kids. Now, I know that's not the easiest thing in the world, but listen, I was talking about this with with Ben the other day. There are two different things in this world. There are vacations and there are trips, and they are not the same thing. When you bring your family along and you bring your kids along, that is a trip. Now, I'm not saying it can't be fun and you can't have a great time doing it, but that is not a vacation. In fact, when, you're, when your trip is over, you probably need a vacation after that. We took our family to Arizona um, last spring. We had a blast. This was the biggest trip that we'd ever done. Uh, we drove all over the place. We visited the Grand Canyon. We went hiking. We did stuff every single day. We went to parks and, and, and museums and all these different things. We went, like, we just were like, go, 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 go. I got back. I was exhausted after we were done, right? Um, and so we've had the, the privilege of dropping our kids off with, with some family members for a couple days, uh, sometimes even a week, and getting away together, and it's so refreshing and so rewarding. It's how um, we just have that opportunity to have great conversations and spend time together, and, and you need that time with your spouse, and maybe that's not a possibility for you. Maybe you don't have somewhere you can drop your kids off for a week. Drop them off for a night. You know, Find somebody that you trust Hand them off. There are plenty of people in this world that are capable of keeping your kids alive overnight, okay? Go and, and book a hotel somewhere. Get on Priceline and find a cheap hotel in the Twin Cities somewhere, you know? Get away together. Spend some time together. Invest in that relationship. Husbands, if you want to show your wife how much you love her, plan a date night. Book a hotel room. Um, plan a short trip. Figure out the babysitting, even if you have to pay someone, Right? Um, Laura and I were just talking the other day that we're actually coming out of this difficult phase of having babies in our house for about the last 12 years. Now, Ella is five years old. She thinks she's ready to move out on her own. (laughs) And, And we have so much more freedom than we used to have. Like, we can just say, okay, kids, you're staying home right now. We're going on a date night. It's wonderful to be able to do that and to have that, that ability Um, This year, Laura is teaching at the elementary school. She's teaching four days a week, and she has Tuesdays off. And we have stuff going on pretty much every night of the week. But Tuesday at lunchtime, we don't have anything going on. So we go out for lunch together. You know, make it work with what your schedule is. Spend time together. Invest in that relationship. And and we've really enjoyed our lunch dates these, these past few weeks. Find something that works for your family. Someday your kids are going to grow up and they're going to move out of your house, hopefully, right? (laughs) Are you investing enough in the relationship with your spouse now so that it's not awkward when they leave? I've heard that from a lot of couples that when their kids move out of the house, it's like, oh man, I got to get to know my husband again, right? (laughs) All right, here's, here's the third thing about marriage. Remember that marriage is a covenant for life. Now, um, we have legal marriage here in the United States. You get a wedding certificate, and it affects the way that you do stuff like file for your taxes and all all that stuff. And and so I'm not saying that that's not important, but that's not really what marriage is about as God intended it, 
right? God established marriage as a covenant relationship between two people, and really it's between the two of you and the Lord, right? It's a, it's a covenant. It's not something that can be just thrown away that, the moment that, that you want it to. In fact, Genesis 2.24 says it this way, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When you get married, your spouse and your children are your primary family. Your duty is to them first, not your parents, not your siblings. That's secondary family. You leave your father and mother and become a new family with your husband or your wife. And your duty is to them. And it's for life. So you need to learn how to treat each other well. Here's, the Bible actually gives a lot of advice on, on how a healthy marriage relationship should work. And so we'll talk to the husbands first. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers might not be hindered. Okay, now ladies, first of all, I just want to say, don't get all bent out of shape about the whole weaker vessel thing. I know you're thinking that, all right? Every time you hear this verse, it's like, oh, I'm not the weaker vessel. I'll show you the weaker vessel. No. <laughs> That's not the point of this passage. First of all, we're talking to the guys here anyway, so don't even listen. Um, but Peter is just acknowledging that men and women aren't the same here. Right? They react to situations differently. Men, generally speaking, are physically stronger. Um, they also are less sensitive in general. Not always the case, but, but usually that's the case. And ladies, that's because God designed you to be more sensitive and to be more compassionate. But this verse isn't even about you guys. All right, guys, your job is to show understanding to your wife. And you might be thinking, that's hard. I don't understand anything about her, <laughs> right? I don't understand about the way, the way that she thinks. I, I, I've got some bad news for you. That's your job. You got to figure that out, right? That's your job. And, and here's the deal. Because marriage is a covenant relationship for life, you got the rest of your life to figure yeah. it out. So get working, okay? Your job is to understand your wife and to show honor, to that woman. God has placed her in your life for a purpose. So you need to not only know her and understand her, and, and if you don't understand, ask enough questions until you do, but then you need to honor that relationship and show honor to her as well. Ladies, it's your turn. Get ready. Uh, Proverbs 19.14 says this, house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So you should bring wisdom into the relationship. And a godly husband will appreciate your wisdom as a blessing. Now, I know that sometimes we don't always appreciate each other's suggestions, right? That's the way it works in marriage because we always think the other person is wrong and we're right. But listen, if, if, if you offer wisdom in a godly and honoring way, then oftentimes your spouse will listen to what you have to say and respect it. Can, can I say this? Guys appreciate, men appreciate um, what you have to say. They, they appreciate your insight and your perspective 
when it's delivered in an honoring way. If, if you say it in a way that, that sounds like a know-it-all or that you're demeaning or, or calling them stupid because their opinion is different than yours, nobody's going to hear that. But if you present it in an honoring way, and this is the way a godly relationship should work, and, and I'll say this, this applies to you too, guys. You should, you should listen to what they have to say because God has given them wisdom just like he's given you wisdom. So it's, you live... Um, in this, in this relationship together, and a prudent wife, a, a wife that shows wisdom, is a blessing from the Lord. Here's one more verse I'll share with you. Proverbs 21, 9. Okay, this one can be a little touchy. <laughs> this is the Bible, not me, okay? <laughs> I just want to say this. It's better to live in the corner of the housetop in other words, it's better to live up in the attic than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Now, can I be honest? I've seen wives who have completely emasculated their husbands because they argue and they mock everything that they say and do. So if you want your husband to grow as a man and as a leader... Don't start a fight every time he suggests something. Sometimes agreeing to something that you don't seem the same way, see the same way is actually better in the long run. Don't rub it in his face if he's wrong either. Okay? Can, can I just speak for all the guys here? I'm going to do it anyway because they're all watching the Vikings game on their phone. <laughs> okay? Uh, we genuinely care about what you think of us and what you think about our ideas. And if you honor us as men and disagree sometimes, we will probably listen to what you have to say. But if you argue about everything, you'll either destroy our confidence or we'll stop listening altogether. Can you hear that? Is that a tough one? That's all right. The Bible's tough. <laughs> you can handle it. Okay. Now, um, we're going to move on to the second part of this, this verse here. Um, but I, I will say this before I start. Generally speaking, and, and I say this in, in our, when I do premarital counseling, I'll, I'll tell people this. There are generally three things, three issues that cause the most problems in a marriage. And, and here they are in order. Okay. Number one, communication. All right. If you learn how to communicate, you can avoid most problems. Number two, money. And number three, sex. All right. Those three things. Most issues in marriage can be boiled down to one of those three things. And we've already kind of talked about the first two a little bit, right? But the author of Hebrews thought it was important to address this, this third issue as well. He tells us, to keep the marriage bed pure. Now, there's a lot of debate over exactly what this means. Some have argued um, that this has to do with what sexual acts are permissible in marriage. I don't think that's what Scripture is really pointing to here. And I'm not a fan of adding chapters to the Bible um, from our own opinions. Uh, so <laughs> I think that, that we have freedom as Christians in this area, but we need to make sure that, that 
any sexual act involves communication between the husband and wife and is loving for both parties. Um, I, I also believe that pornography has no place in marriage, okay? So that would be something that's bringing sexual immorality into um, marriage as well. Um, but I also think that there, there are other areas of sexual immorality where the Bible is clear, and um, one of them is that we believe that you shouldn't have sex until you are married. Um, now, that idea might seem archaic, right? Because that is not a value that this world holds. Um, and I've had a lot of premarital counseling sessions where I've sat down with couples, and, and we've talked through this issue. And, and I'm going to share this story because uh, I didn't share it first, right? Uh, um, this particular couple... Uh, the husband came and shared this story in front of the whole church anyway. I didn't know he was going to do that, but it, it was, uh, it's his testimony. Um, I was having premarital counseling session with, with this couple, and we were talking about sex, and they, they already had a child together, so you can do the math, you know. <laughs> right? So aware of the situation, they're living together at this point, and I said, listen, God's word is really clear, but until you're married, you shouldn't have sex. I, I, would, I would ask that you would abstain as believers that you'd be obedient to scripture for the next couple months until you make it official, until you get married. And uh, I could tell that that was like shocking to them, that, that I was asking them to do that at that time. And they said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do that. And uh, the husband came back a couple weeks later, said that was one of the best decisions I ever made. I it's not only created excitement for our marriage, but this, this is something that, that we committed to do as a couple, and, and I believe that we're honoring God. It, it was a blessing to him. It's part of his testimony. It's part of his story. Now, God used that sacrifice, um, and he, he chose to honor the Lord with his family and, and to do that, even though that was probably incredibly difficult at that moment, and, and God honored that commitment and that sacrifice. Um, now, I believe that that is a principle that, that we can, need to continue to uphold because it's clear in Scripture. And even though that it's completely contrary to what our culture teaches and, and what our world's values are, I believe it's still important to this day that we can honor the Lord with our bodies in that way. Um, now, I will say this as well. Don't expect unbelievers to treat sex like believers, okay? And, and here's what I mean by this. Discipleship and the conviction of the Holy Spirit come after a person makes the decision to follow Jesus and to surrender their heart to him. Discipling someone who isn't a disciple is a waste of time. And sometimes we as Christians get so bent out of shape about the world acting like the world. Well, guess what? It ain't changing, right? Like, they need Jesus. That's why they're messed up. That's why they're making bad decisions. But when we come alongside believers who have committed their lives to Christ, who have said, I'm putting Jesus first in my life, and we teach them how to live a godly life, and we stand alongside them, and we encourage them in that commitment, in that decision, we're honoring the Lord in that way. It can be a beautiful thing. It can be an incredible thing. Now, uh, I want to just... Uh, highlight two areas where we can take this and, and 
kind of apply it to our lives. First of all, if you are a married couple this morning, find some way to work on your marriage, to build that relationship, to invest in that relationship. Find one way to invest in your marriage this week. This week, do something practical. Whether it's planning a date night, whether it's sitting down with your spouse and having an important conversation, whether it's just taking some time uh, to speak to them in their love language, you know, figuring out um, what, what motivates them, what drives them, and speaking to them in that way. Find some way to practically invest in your marriage this week. And then for, for our single people, I, I want to encourage, encourage you as well. Pray for that relationship. Pray for that, that future spouse. Um, and, and then prepare yourself to be in a committed relationship. You know, someday God's going to bring that person into your life unless he's called you to a, a life of singleness, which is an amazing calling. And, uh, but if that's not you and, and you want to find that person, then start working on the person that you are so that when that person comes in your life, you are ready for that relationship. And that, that only happens by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, by surrendering it to Him. And for those of you who are in a dating relationship, I have something for you as well. And they're going to put it on the screen because it's not in my notes. Go, go back a couple slides for me. There we go. Evaluate your romantic relationship, evaluate your dating relationship, and determine if it's honoring to the Lord. And if it's not, and you have some questions in that, then you need to sit down together, have a hard conversation, and say, hey, what are we going to do to fix this? What are we going to do so that our relationship is honoring to the Lord? Um, whether it has to do with, with sexual sin or something else that, that maybe isn't right, um, let's fix it. Let's spend some time listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and hearing from him. I'm going to share just one quick thing with you that, that we have coming up um, this winter, sometime in, in January or, or February. We, we don't have the date locked in yet, but we will soon. Um, we're going to do a marriage weekend. It's going to be a Friday night till Saturday, and this is for married couples. You can come, and we're going to actually um, do it at the, the hotel here in Delano. So you get a room for the night. Um, we'll do a couple sessions on Friday nights. We'll go out to dinner together, um, spend some time together. And then uh, on Saturday, we'll wake up, eat breakfast, and do a couple more sessions, and uh, it'll be a great time. So please plan on using that as an investment for your marriage, okay? Um, this is an opportunity. It's going to cost a little bit of money for the, for the hotel room. Uh, but other than that, we're not going to charge anything else. This is, we want to pour into you. We want to invest in you. And so we're going to be looking at God's Word together. We're going to be sharing time conversation together. We're going to be investing in that most important relationship in your life as well. So be thinking about that and planning on that, and we'll give you more information in the next couple of weeks. All right, let's close in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for your goodness and your faithfulness, for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you have given us um, romance. You've given us love, you've given us marriage, that you value it, and that, that you honor marriage. And, and Lord, we want to honor marriage in the way that, that you do, God. So help us to um, live our lives in a way that 
that would be um, honoring of our spouse. And Lord, for those of us who aren't married, Lord, that, uh, that we would honor you with every area of our lives, in our dating, in our relationships, and in, in our friendships as well. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your church. And we thank you that the Vikings are beating the saints right now. I'm speaking that in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.